listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. That's the outside. Comes in over the top. Went for the cutter. Jericho reverses sky. Cutbreaker. That'll do it, folks. We got new one, two. Insanely close. A hair's breadth away. Jericho oh, gets rolled up inside. Two, one, two. He's got it. Scorpio Sky has hit Chris Jericho. The AEW champion has been pinned for the first time in the AEW Tag Team Champions. Somehow, some way, Scorpio Sky has pulled it out again. For SCU, Jericho can't the league. Again, Scorpio Sky is an amazing athlete. How he pulled that win out of that? I'll never know. From the mountain to the beach, to the Hollywood Hills. Pop out to the desert for some so-called thrill. We run on the scene all day and all night. Ring general, the rebel, and the violent. It's a brand new episode of the Elitist Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back to talk more AEW Dynamite on TNT. Uh, the seventh week of the war. Nick, I don't know if you saw the uh, the ratings for last week's shows, but uh, all of that NXT NXT is being mixed in with the Survivor Series build this year. Mm-hmm. So all three brands are competing with one another at Survivor Series this year. So NXT made appearances on; they've been making appearances on Raw and SmackDown for the last couple weeks, I guess. And uh, I presume. Uh, like AJ Styles was on AJ Styles, Gallows and Anderson were on NXT last week. Uh, I haven't watched this week's episode. I presume they'll have some sort of main roster dabbling there as well. And it has helped NXT in the ratings because uh, while neither show reached a million viewers last week, both of their ratings went up and AEW only beat NXT by like 9,000 total viewers. Whoa. So NXT went way up. AEW went up a little bit and NXT went way up and even in like the important youth demographic numbers uh, AEW beat them by only like 0.5 like it was like 0.35 to 0.30 or something like that so like statistically speaking they were essentially tied last week so the war which I thought would be done by week 6 is hypothetically not done yet. It looks like there might still be some juice in NXT, but we'll see what the ratings say for, for this week. So for now, the war, I guess, uh, tepidly rages on. Let's talk about, uh, well, you know what? AEW, for their part, they are not acting like they're in a war at all. They're going about their business. And this week in particular, uh, they had done a lot of building to a pay-per-view. And the pay-per-view has completed. And, of course, you can go listen to our review of that. It's up on the website and at uh, all podcast-catching locations. Uh, so now that the 
now that the pay-per-view is done, it is time to start the build to the next big event. And that means this show was very uh, angle-heavy. Oh, uh, dude, I, I crossed out the name of Dynamite this week on my sheet of paper that I was taking notes. I wrote AEW Superstars just for the matches this week. Yeah, the, surprisingly. Now, we did get a couple of good matches on this show, but there was a lot of just, you know, nothing there matches. These were just here to get some people wins and for them to say something about it afterwards. So we kick off with a recap of Full Gear. I noted at the time that they played no clips of Omega and Moxley, and I presumed that was because it was an unsanctioned match and technically doesn't exist or didn't happen or didn't count. So I thought, hey, like, <laughs> yeah, I thought this was some sort of, like, Marvel-esque move where, like, uh, when some of the characters get wiped out at the end of Infinity War, like, the next movie they're missing from the Marvel logo at the beginning of the movie. Like they went into <laughs> crazy detail. Uh, that's not what happened here. They left out Moxley and Omega for a specific reason. Um, we go to the arena where the announcers lay out the card for the night. And then we get our follow-up on the lights out mm-hmm. match. Uh, but not just that uh, we get some backstage footage. Uh, I, I put down here it looked like Kenny was wearing makeup because he had, like, the blackest of black eyes. And I don't know how he got this. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe this happened when he did the 450... Or maybe this happened when he did the Phoenix onto the boards because we didn't really get a good look at his face after that. So maybe that, that was... I mean, it was a very pronounced black eye. And I'm like, he's that's got to be makeup. But maybe it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, he had a black eye. His back is tore up and Kenny's asking the doctor, how is Moxley? And the doctor's like, well, he's beat up, but he's cleared to wrestle and Kenny is not. And Kenny just looks defeated. Michael Nakazawa was there. He looked also sad. And this led to the first bout of the evening. John Moxley versus... Michael Nakazawa. So that's one check on the show for matches I'd never thought I'd be saying out loud. Uh, But we got it. (laughs) Right from the get-go, Nakazawa pulls out his baby oil, but he throws it away, Nick. This is serious. (laughs) Um, I don't know how this sounded to you. I, I, I watched this show on Sling TV, and I'm watching it on my computer up in the office here, up in the Cinema Geekly offices, and uh, I have my headphones on, and I thought the ring was mic'd horribly this week. I don't know how it sounded on, like, a regular TV. Were you watching on a regular TV? Yeah, I was just watching it on TNT. I didn't happen to notice that. I also didn't have headphones in, but it was just me watching in a room by myself. I didn't notice any issues with the ring being mic'd up weird. Yeah, it sounded like there was a microphone under the ring, but the microphone was also in a bucket of water. Like, it did not sound very good at all. Like, the ring... uh, even, Even when they adjusted the volume later, the ring just doesn't sound crisp to me it sounds the ring sounds muffled to me uh i think that they should fix this like there are some things like don't be too much like wwe but if they want to mic their ring like how wwe mics their ring that would be great Mm because 
there's one thing I can say about WWE is that it doesn't sound bad. It sounds great. Great sound. Uh, I mean, that's not, that's about it. But, uh, Nakazawa is very serious in this match. She's trying to get a couple of shots in, but, uh, Mox is having none of it. Very quickly hits him with a short paradigm shift for the win. I mean, there's not much to say here, Nick. What would you give it? I was going to say, is it really worthy of rating? It is. I mean, a bell rang. It and did, then yes. it rang again after some moves. Well, just so you know, in the future, I'm going to totally use that anecdote about um, wrestling rings and be like, man, WWE, their strongest suit, that ring mic, it's fantastic. Absolutely good sound. Very good sound quality. <laughs> um, I just gave this one a um, one and a one and a half. I just kind of threw it out there because there really wasn't much to it. Yeah, I gave it one and a half. Grapple, 1.51. Oh. Yeah, so we're uh, we're on that same wavelength for sure. Uh, after the match, Moxley grabs the mic, says he delivered on what he promised, and Kenny Omega will never be the same again, but he gives Kenny his props, calls him a radical son of a bitch, says he respects him, uh, but that's that's done now, says that uh, nobody, he gives Kenny credit for having the courage to step up to him, he says nobody else in AEW has that. Says he wants to be the last man standing here. Issues an open challenge daring anyone to step up to him. Uh, this is pretty good. I mean, this wasn't as good as his like promo before the pay-per-view. But, you know, this was pretty good. Yeah, it was all right. He he was a little bit rambly. I did like the part at the beginning where he's like, so this one counts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And I, I liked him talking about he's going to scorch the earth until he's the last man standing in AEW. So yes. he's not necessarily looking for championships. He just wants to fight everybody. Yes. Uh, next up, Dark Order versus Jurassic Express. So this is weird, Nick. Uh, the WWE name disease has become airborne and has traveled to AEW Stu Grayson unfortunately contracted the disease and is now just Grayson. He's Robin. <laughs> yep, he's just lost his lost his first name. And weirdly enough, now that the disease has passed on, uh, Ali and WWE is now being is now back to Mustafa Ali, and Rowan and Harper are now back to Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. So now that the disease is passed, apparently people are getting their names back. I'm really looking forward to uh, the returns of Antonio Cesaro and Alexander Rusev as well. Hopefully we get Langston back for Big E. Yes. <laughs> uh, so early on, the Jurassic Express are outpacing the, uh, the Dark Order. Uh, but eventually they cut off Marco, of course. And work him over. And they keep control through a picture-in-picture break. Uh, but when we come back, Jungle Boy hits a, gets the hot tag, runs wild. Crowd is hot uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. At the Municipal Auditorium, I believe is where they're at. Uh, they kind of screw up a springboard thing that they're going for, but they go for it again. It's like a double-team combo Dragon Rana on Grayson by Marco Stunt for a two. Uh, the Dark Order, though, block a suicide dive attempt from Jungle Boy and wipe him out, and they hit the fatality on Marco Stunt for the win. Uh, what did you think of the match before we talk about the post? 
A couple things I noticed in this match. It looks like Uno is going to be wearing something to cover his chest now, or maybe this is just a one-week thing. Because... Yeah, I think he had it on um, either last week, or he had it on the last episode of AEW Dark. Which, by the way, uh, I forgot to talk about Dark when we talked about the pay-per-view, because they aired Dark on Friday before the pay-per-view instead of Tuesday. But there was really not much um, of note on that show. Although this week's episode of Dark sounds good. And while you're talking about this match, I'm going to go pull up the lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, um, I, I thought it was all right. It wasn't like anything too exciting. I think the botch ultimately took me out of it there for a second. But... It was okay. I think I ended up only giving this two and a half stars. Uh, I did make note about uh, the Creepers and Grayson outside doing this, like, claw sign, and it made me think Nation of Domination for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, uh, 2.5 for me. Okay. Uh, I went slightly more. I went two and three quarters, and Grapple is at 2.79. Right. So we're uh, we're doing pretty good so far with the the rest of the the hive mind on <laughs> grapple. Uh, so after the match, uh, Evil Uno grabs a mic and puts over Marco Stunt. Uh, talks about his uh, his heart, and they admire they admire him, but he can like the ceiling for him. Nick is only so high in the Jurassic Express. He can sort of much higher heights if he put on a mask and became a creeper for the Dark Order. And Jungle Boy comes in here and rejects them on Marco's behalf, and then the creepers attack. But they are saved by Luchasaurus, who returns. Yes! And he literally wipes out everybody, uh, and then the Jurassic Express uh, share an embrace in the ring, and this crowd is very happy that... The boy, the other boy, and his dinosaur are back together. This was yeah, fun. It was very fun. It was sweet to see Luchasaurus take out three creepers with a kick. I think they one kick. A, yeah, one kick. He, they called it a lucha tail whip. I yeah, the, they the, the tail whip. And apparently this was like a, a Three Stooges-esque kick where his foot just like hit one, then hit the other, and then hit the other as it swept by. Apparently <laughs> that's what happened here. Um... Although I'd really like to think it was like full stooges where he just hit one guy and then that guy's head bonked the other guy and then that guy's head bonked the other guy. Uh, and that, that's how they were knocked out. But I think it was presumed to be that he kicked them all uh, with this sweeping kick of his. And then he also took out Grayson with a choke slam and a moonsault. Uh, and Uno uh, escaped. But yeah, this was this was good. Fun stuff. All three of these guys were on their uh, YouTube channel this week. They did that whole thing with wrestlers eating uh, takeout in a hotel room. Have you watched? And have you watched one of those? I've not watched one of those yet. I've watched all of them so far. They're excellent. The, really? Uh, are they friend. just? Are they just like they just sit and talk, or what? Do they, what do they do? Basically, like the young bucks interviewing uh, some of their wrestlers and trying to get information out of them. So through this, we found out that Luchasaurus was on the show Big Brother back in the day, huh. and. 
that's how Matt Jackson first heard of him because apparently him and his wife were big fans so much so that uh. they found a clip of them in the audience for the finale of that season. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the first time apparently Luchasaurus had ever heard of them being in the crowd there. So it's it's really neat. I'd say this one and the Best Friends ones were my favorite. And they did one with Janela where they covered um, his fight with Enzo Amore. Ah, that's I don't know if you've heard this yet, but that's where the phrase "fresh mots for the boys" comes from. <laughs> um, Apparently, Enzo Amore invited Janella out for a party. He said, "Yeah, we got all this stuff, man. We got fresh mots for the boys." Fresh mots. Um, <laughs> so after that, I mean, I thought the first match was a weird match announcement, but then we got Sean Spears versus Peter Avalon. Versus Darby Allen. What? Very weird. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, I wrote here, this might be the strangest three-way ever. Uh, <laughs> Allen takes out both early on, but Sean Spears knocks him off the top rope and takes control. Uh, I, at this point, I wrote, I'd wager Avalon is here to take the pin. But then Joey Janela comes out and uh, starts brawling with Spears. So I guess... That feud isn't over with. And by the way, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but somebody uh, asked Joey Janela how he'd feel, how he feels about feuding with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. And he actually retweeted this and said something about like he'd he'd rather be dead or something. So I'm wondering if he actually doesn't want to do that, and they're just not going to do it, and they're going to continue with him and Spears. He said he'd rather go back to delivering pizzas. Pizzas. Yes, that's what it is. Uh, So, Janela and Spears brawl, which leaves uh, Avalon and Darby Allen. Darby hits the -the over-the-top stunner and the coffin drop for the win. Uh, Again, not much here, but more than in the Moxley match. What, What did you think? What did you give it? Um, just for the fact that I got to see the coffin drop alone, I gave this match two stars just because I think it's such a cool move mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of Darby. Definitely weird. We'd prefer to see the match play out rather than them take Sean Spears out, but I guess it was a way of setting up a story. I felt like this went long enough and it was uh, crisp enough in the ring that I gave it two and a half to put what? it at smack dab at average. Uh Maybe if this had gone a, a little bit shorter, I probably would have uh, gone lower. But I thought it went just long enough to warrant that. Grapple, disagreeing with me. They're more on your side. They went 2.11. But relatively close. We're not terribly far off. Uh, what else do we have here? Post-match, I wrote, everyone gets to talk this week. Darby Allen grabs the mic and says, John Moxley, I accept. And the crowd was way into this idea. I wrote down, that should be crazy. And no sooner does he say this, the next thing we find out is that Darby Allen versus John Moxley is signed for next week in Indiana. So, damn, that should be fun. Blast. I can't wait for that. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Danny Jordan. Uh, Danny Jordan not signed to AEW. And you can tell because... She got the jobber entrance, which is just was standing in the ring. I don't even think Justin Roberts announced her name. I I know it was Danny Robert or Danny Jordan because Excalibur said so. Uh, 
not much happened in this match, so I wrote down here, JR questions whether Nyla likes being called a beast, despite it being in her video. <laughs> so, like, I don't know where JR's head's at sometimes. It's like, do you think she likes being... Like, he's still on this thing about, like... I think Justin Roberts and Tony Schiavone just like saying bastard when they're talking about Pack. Like, bastard is in his Twitter handle. It's in his video. It's <laughs> his nickname that he chose for himself. Uh, I think he has hot takes, but really, he's just being ignorant. Yes. Not hot takes. <laughs> uh, match recap. Nyla kills her. Beast bomb for the win. There's nothing to say here. This was a squash. And she didn't even say anything after. I went, I went to, I thought, and according to Grapple here, it was, I went with a generous one and a half. I went with just one star for this. 1.16 from Grapple. I went with one and a half because I'm like, well, I mean, everything she did looked good. Right. (laughs) But there was nothing here. I didn't write any notes for the match. I just wrote Night of the Squashes. <laughs> yes. Uh, a recap of the events that led to Dustin Rhodes' injury and a medical update saying that uh, it could still be three or four weeks before he's ready to return to the ring, but only a couple of weeks until he's ready to re- resume in-ring training. They randomly announce a Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal for next week where the two remaining wrestlers will face each other and the winner of that match will get a diamond ring. <laughs> like Battle Bowl? I, I was going to say, this has 1996 WCW vibes with Lord of the Ring. I hope DDP presents whoever wins this with the the Battle Bowl ring. And so he, of course, is a former Battle, battle Bowl winner. That's right. You better do that, AEW. Come on. You can't be missing that opportunity. I mean, this. I find this to be a little strange, but... I think this is what Cody was referencing when some fan asked him if they were going to introduce a mid-title, and he said, we will be introducing a new prize within a couple weeks, but he didn't say it was going to be a belt. This is weird. I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about this. Rings? You got to do something between pay-per-views, I guess. Maybe Cody's thinking because he got that championship ring over in ROH, like, you know, maybe he could, we can do the same thing here. I don't know. Uh, Allie is on the ramp. She's with Tony Schiavone, uh, talking about how she's number four in the rankings. Schiavone also plugs that the rankings for AEW's divisions will be available every Friday at 4 p.m. on the website. And she says that she's been proving herself on AEW Dark, but it's time to start bringing that on to Dynamite when they are interrupted by Awesome Kong and Brandy. Allie gets beaten up. And scalped. I, uh, I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> we need an explanation. Like this, just is this is too weird and random for it to just be like no explanation. They need to explain why they are like this and w- why they're doing this. But I don't think we're ever gonna get it. So, <laughs> uh, Jericho promo. Now he comes out puts himself over, wants his thank yous, rejects Nashville's thank yous, (laughs) says he doesn't want to thank you from a bunch of nobodies. Cody's music interrupts him, 
But it's not Cody who comes out. It's Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He says that Cody is the real villain here. He says that he doesn't give a shit about the fans, just himself. The crowd's bullshit detector goes off. Uh, He says that he's the face of the company. And uh, he and Jericho essentially have a heel-off. He tells Jericho that he heard a rumor that Jericho wants him in the inner circle. And Jericho's like, well, do you want to be in the inner circle? And they kind of go back and forth on this. They're both alpha heels, and neither one of them want to uh, want to back down to the other. They both want to be the superior bad guy. So neither will admit anything to uh, each other. Uh, MJF says that he doesn't really want to join the inner circle. He calls it the inner circle jerk. Says that Jericho drinks too much. Uh... Chris Jericho says that MJF reminds him of a young him. So much so that he thinks that MJF parents got horny watching him wrestle Juventud Guerrero on WCW Saturday night. And nine months later, he popped out. MJF did not know who who he was. And Jericho told him to Google him. Uh, They then kind of get back into this, do you want to join the inner circle thing? And then they start arguing with each other. And then they're like, you know who the real jackass here is? And they both agree that it is Cody Rhodes. Uh, This, by the way, is like a direct takeoff of a thing that they did with Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, where they did the same thing, except replace Cody Rhodes' name with Roman Reigns' name. And because it was WWE, uh, everybody cheered them when they did this. Because... It's everything's backwards there, but here the crowd is not happy that they're burying Cody so much. Cody then comes out. He does not look good. Uh, his face is all puffy. That cut is just gross. Uh, I wrote here, Cody gets into the ring and fucks shit up, literally and figuratively, <laughs> as he tries to do this power slam to Jericho, but, oh, it doesn't happen, and... Uh, some other stuff occurs, and then he kind of gets his footing. Jim Ross immediately covers for this, saying like his equilibrium's not all there. Uh, eventually Cody wipes them out, uh, but before he can really get his hands on MJF, he is attacked by Wardberg. Uh, he hits Cody with uh, what I presume is his finisher, and if so, pretty lame finisher. Uh, he seems aligned with MJF. And then I wrote here, they hang Cody. Uh, so I thought this was actually great all the way up until Cody missed that power slam. And then it kind of fell apart. And then, look, I like the idea of MJF having a big muscle guy. Like, he's Shawn Michaels and Wardlow is Diesel. Uh, I get that. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this guy's finishing move being a fireman's carry into a it's just kind of like a spinning FU, like an attitude adjustment. Was not thrilled uh, by this guy, but, you know, he'll be the guy that Cody has to get through before he can get to MJF. Uh, I thought MJF and Jericho were fantastic heels here. What did you think of this uh, long segment? It wasn't what I was expecting from MJF. I thought we were going to get him being a bit more heely, but... Yeah. You know... 
It's more so like he's trying to put, pass himself off as the babyface and be like, no, you people don't understand. Cody's a piece of shit. And I was not expecting them to go there at all. No. Um, but the whole interaction between him and Jericho, I think, made up for that in my mind. Had it just been him doing that, mm-hmm. I think I would have been a little bit let down. His delivery this, course, is good. Yes, I was fully, I was, ex- I was fully expecting him to do some of what he did. Like you guys don't understand, Cody's the asshole, and that's why I had no problem, uh, you know, ending his chances of ever becoming the champion. Because uh, he's a prick, he's like, I should be the star of the company instead. He's trying to make himself the star of the company. Like, I thought that's the direction he should have gone towards, but instead he went deep into the "I'm the victim." Right, and if he had just played off of the what you were saying before, he's talked about that in interviews. I think on Jericho's podcast, he talked about how Cody's going to be the face of AEW, and one day when he's ready to step down, it's going to be MJF. So it's almost like he's been planning this for a long time. Mm-hmm. What did you think yeah, of uh, Wardlow? I'm not impressed yet. Although I do agree, I like the idea of MJF having a heavy to help him out. Um, but yeah, n- not impressed by him yet. We'll we'll see what he does in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, the Bastard Pack and Hangman Page uh, in their actual rubber match on AEW uh, programming. Uh, I think they were kind of counting the fact that Page pinned him in the tag team match uh, as like he got a pin over Pack, which he did, but it was not in singles competition. In singles competition, they were one and one against each other. And they did make note at the end of this match that this was the end of their series together, so they're not going to be wrestling each other again for a little while. Uh, Pack, of course, the loser at Full Gear. First time he's been defeated in singles competition, and he was not happy about it at the beginning of this match. He starts out quick, uh, attacking Paige, hits a Fosbury flop to the outside and a big moonsault. Paige makes his comeback now uh, with a suicide dive and a pop-up powerbomb. Like, that was all in the first minute and a half of this match. Like, they were going crazy at first. And then the pace slowed down somewhat. And then there was a backward, a back-and-forth chant. I don't know if you caught this, Nick. But some of the crowd was chanting cowboy shit. But some of the crowd was chanting bastard shit. <laughs> I did hear that. <laughs> which is an, a hilarious chant. I approve of bastard shit. Um, they were chanting this through momentum changes. Uh, we come back from a break. This is where things really pick up. Uh, uh, oh, wait, no, the, this was before the break. Uh, the boss man slam on the apron from Paige and then the moonsault uh, on the floor into a break. Coming back from the break this is where the match really picked up. Uh, they're trading heavy shots, complete with a huge lariat from Paige. Uh, Pac is now out on the floor, lures him into the corner where there's a chair, tries to hit him with that brain buster on the chair that he hit him with at full gear, but Hangman was ready for it, gives Pac the brain buster on the floor, uh, puts him back into the ring, hits him with a buckshot lariat for a big two, uh, then Pac lays out Paige, and he's looking in trouble. He boots him in the head a bunch of times. They tease the disqualification here, like the referee almost did the you're disqualified for kicking too much ass, but mm-hmm. Bryce Remsburg never DQ'd Pac. He'd always like push him back and he'd be like, hey, hey, stop, he's not moving. And then Pac would always go back and then boot him in the head a few more times. Uh, but eventually, he'd leave Paige for dead, go up top, hit the black arrow, and lock in the brutalizer for the win. Uh, what did you think of this one? 
It was a solid match, I tell you. I think it's probably the best match on the card tonight. I agree. Um, I've been enjoying Pac and Hangman going going at it. Mm-hmm. I love the tease for the uh, the Brain Buster. I was like, oh, no, don't do that again, because that was one of the things that legitimately got me in my stomach on on uh, Sunday when I watched the pay-per-view. Yep. Um, I gave this one three and a half stars. It's good for Pac, because Hangman got that solid win on pay-per-view, but he ultimately wins the feud. Yeah. I really like this one, too. Give it three and a half. Grapple with a 3.55. I think I actually like this better than the full gear match, but that's just because I think the crowd was more noticeably hotter on this show. This was a another good crowd this week yeah. uh, that they got, and the Municipal Auditorium looked pretty full, even the production side. We got a few glimpses of the production side, which is, uh, there's usually a lot of uh, kills over there for production equipment, but... Even that looked like there were quite a few people sitting on that side of the arena. So, uh, good stuff. Uh, so, before the ne- our next commercial break, we jump to the back, where the Young Bucks and Proud and Powerful are fighting. Uh, Matt gets chucked into a bathroom, and Orange Cassidy is just living in the bathroom, Nick. He's just standing there. <laughs> And I love that he just closes the Santana door like, just, so quietly. Yeah, Santana <laughs> just like very weirdly slowly shuts the door. The brawl continues through a picture-in-picture break. Now, it was during the break that I did get an epiphany of sorts. And I'm wondering if this fight is just... Maybe you can fill in fill, fill this in for like headcanon or something for me. But I couldn't stop thinking about why are they brawling? Did Proud and Powerful start it? They won clean at the pay-per-view, and they were dicks afterwards, but they did get their comeuppance. So I'm not really sure why they were necessarily fighting, or is this just a, the Elite versus the Inner Circle, and this fight is just going to rage on for a while? Do you think that's what it is? I think the feud's just going to go on for a while, or hell, maybe Proud and Powerful started this because they were embarrassed by what happened with the Rock and Roll Express, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get to them, so they're going to go after the Bucks since they allowed it to happen. Yeah. Uh, the fight spilled out to ringside, and that's when we come back from the break. Uh, Proud and Powerful, they play sock ball on the Young Bucks' ribs. They take out Nick's leg, and they powerbomb Matt through the stage, and Private Party eventually come out to try to break up this mess. Uh, I note here a lot of angles on the show, and very quickly it is announced Proud and Powerful versus Private Party for next week. So say all those P words over and over again very quick. Proud and Powerful and Private Party. Uh, PP versus PP. PP versus PAP. <laughs> and I forget who said it, but one of them yelled, these boys are going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, Ortiz. Ortiz is always just shouting stuff. Maybe it was he Santana. Is. Maybe it was Santana, but... When they were um, when they finally were going to lay off, Brandon Cutler came out. They go, hey, Brandon, guess what? We lie." <laughs> Oh, yeah, they beat up Brandon Cutler as well, who came out to help Nick Jackson. Yeah, he did not survive. Uh, That may have been a subtle Eddie Guerrero, um, (laughs) like, tribute, since this is the day of his death, or yesterday was the day of his death, I believe. Yeah. Uh, SCU in our main event, defending the AEW World Tag Team Championship against Sammy Guevara and the AEW champion Chris Jericho. Uh, I love that uh, early on, that uh, SCU were in firm control and that they were kind of telling this story that SCU are a better unit 
Guevara and Jericho have won all of the matches that they've teamed up together in, but SCU are, in fact, the actual tag team. Picture-in-picture uh, picture break. Uh, when we come back... Oh, no, during the break, Jericho trips up Kazarian and the heels take over for the duration of the break. Uh, coming back from the break... Sammy hits a standing Spanish fly, but misses a shooting star press. Scorpio Sky gets the hot tag. He runs wild. Uh, for a second here, I was wondering why I wrote down, pretty sure JR can't say Guevara, but now I remember why. Because he is intent on calling him Sammy G. I guess because he can't say Guevara, but he can't. Uh, the belief that JR just calls these wrestlers whatever he feels like because he does the same thing with Jungle Boy by calling them Jungle Boy Jack. Jungle Boy Jack, Jungle Jack Perry, Sammy oh. G, Amy Sakura, whatever he <laughs> called her. Uh, maybe he just needs a maybe he just needs a piece of paper where they're just you know phonetically spelled out. I think that'd be a good idea for him, like what they had for him on the New Japan shows. Yeah, G W A dash V A R A Guavara, Sammy Guavara, or you could say Guavara, but I think it's Guavara. But whatever. I think you're right, Guavara. <laughs> I've heard. I've also heard Sammy Guavara. Like, but whatever. S- anything close to that would be prefer uh, like preferable to Sammy G. And the less we need to be reminded about what WWE has done to Chad Gable, the better. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, slingshot cutter by Sky for a two. Uh, SCU later is broken up. Hager attacks Kaz and Daniels without the referee seeing. Uh, so it's just up to Scorpio Sky and Chris Jericho. Sky hits uh, Jericho with a TKO for a two. Uh, Sky gets the knees up on a lion salt. Uh, he goes to the middle rope and goes for something, but Jericho catches him with a code breaker. He gets another two. Uh, Jericho, in a panic, picks up Sky for perhaps a suplex, but Sky reverses it into an inside package and pins Chris Jericho. To Holy retain, shit. Yes, to retain the tag team titles, but this was also Chris Jericho's first pinfall loss in AEW. This should mean that Scorpio Sky gets an AEW World Championship match if they're, you know, working under, uh, you know, New Japan rules here. Uh, Jericho throws a big fit after the match as the show goes off the air. So uh, what did you think of the main event? thought it was a pretty solid match, man. I mm-hmm. think uh, the six Sammy Guevara Jericho pose was uh, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, noted, uh, I noted that Jr still is messing up Jack Swagger's name. What do you call him here? He he started to say Jack Swagger, and he's like, well, no, he, he has Swagger, is what I mean. Oh, Jay God, Hager. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, early uh, on, somebody, I have to go back and watch this, because I didn't catch this either, but apparently at the very beginning of the show, he called Full Gear Fully Loaded. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's obscure, like, WWF did like maybe two fully loaded pay per views ever. One for sure, but maybe two. I don't know where he pulled that from, but yeah. it was just stuck in his head for some reason. Yep. But yeah, um, I like Jericho throwing a fit after the match. Him hitting the chair onto the um, onto the corner post just made me think WCW Jericho. 
Um, I gave this match three and a quarter star. It was very good, and I, I'm i excited for the eventual Scorpio Sky Jericho match. That'll be a fun TV title match, I'm sure. I went three and a quarter as well. Grapple with a 3.03. They thought a little bit less of it than we did, but yeah, not much. Overall, I'd say pretty good. Uh, here is what's on tap for AEW Dark this week. Uh, AEW Women's Champion Riho and Britt Baker take on the team of Big Swole and Chris Statlander. Oh, uh, yes. Best Friends take on Private Party. And the Young Bucks take on T-Hawk and L. Lindemann. So those should actually all be pretty decent matches. Uh, I've been saying that they, I've been saying for a while they need to get Statlander in AEW. I'm sure that this is just probably a match for her to job in, but I hope she gets picked up because she's legitimately, I think, one of the best female wrestlers that isn't signed anywhere right now. And also potential AEW rumor mongering started by me because this is nobody specifically talking about this, but sometime after. AEW went off the air. I don't know if you saw this, but Court Bauer, who is in charge of MLW, essentially tweeted out a thank you to Filthy Tom Lawler, who I guess is no longer under contract to MLW, uh, or he opted not to resign with them, which suggests to me that he's probably got some offers out there. Uh, and I'm curious as to where he would go. I would, for some reason, I'm thinking he's, he wouldn't be on NXT's radar, but I'm my likely candidates would be like AEW or Impact, is what I'm thinking. Well, but um, well, he's a mixed martial artist, so I could see WWE being interested in him mm-hmm. just to throw him in there with Riddle or something. Um, but I would love to see him in AEW. I've only seen him a handful of times. He actually wrestled on the GCW show I went to back in August, and mm-hmm. he's the man. He's awesome. He's very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just throwing that out there. I don't know if that's going to materialize into anything or not, but that is just something that kind of got uh, tossed out there after the fact. Uh, ACH, he quit WWE, or at least he says he's quitting. I don't see him going to AEW. Uh, I think uh, uh, some stuff he said about Jay Lethal I don't think is going to fly very well with a lot of the people who work there. I think... Uh, Lethal is a fairly respected guy, especially in that circle of guys. Like he was in like all the BTE stuff for like a long time. So uh, I don't see it flying there, but yeah, that's a couple of people who are probably going to be hitting back out onto the independence fairly soon. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where they land. I think with ACH, I'm expecting like maybe he'll go back to Japan, but probably I, I know that he, I think he's probably going to be involved in that indie show they're putting on Mania Weekend that's called For the Culture. So ah, yeah. I, I think that's something that he's going to be a part of. Almost certainly, that seems like, for sure. Uh, all right, so uh, that is the show for this week. Let's thank the good people over at ThinkGeek for sponsoring. Uh, just like always, cinemageekly.com slash ThinkGeek. Head on over there for some geeky uh, apparel and collectibles. That's at cinemageekly.com slash ThinkGeek. Uh, or you can click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Of course, you can find us on uh, cinemageekly.com as well, where you can find the archives of the show, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for The Elitists and hit subscribe, and that way you can hear us come back next time talk about more 
AEW Dynamite, featuring what I can presume the main event of that show will be Darby Allen and John Moxley. Dead gone town I've ever been in. And if I hear another fiddle, though, I swear I'm gonna jump off a bridge. I hate this town. I hate this town. I can't wait to get back to Southern California. SCU.